Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. If you have a Bible, turn with me, please, the book of John, chapter 7. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy day. John chapter 7 and verse 37. Can I preach on the Holy Ghost this morning? Does anyone believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Oh, there we go. Oh, I feel like something good's going to happen. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He who believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his innermost being will flow rivers. Somebody say rivers. Rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's interesting just to use a play on words When we glorify Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes. When we magnify His name, the presence of the living God comes. I want to use for a subject, preaching just a few minutes this morning, rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. I I came across a story of a town uh, in, in Mississippi, 155 miles from the city of New Orleans and and 32 miles northeast of Natchez, Mississippi. There's a ghost town. In the, in the state of Mississippi called Rodney. Rodney, Mississippi. But Rodney wasn't always a ghost town. Uh, Rodney was actually a very important city and, and it missed out by two votes on being named the capital of Mississippi. By the late 1850s, Rodney, Mississippi had become the busiest port on the Mississippi River between New Orleans and, and St. Louis, which are both, as you all know, uh, very large American cities. And many of the steamboats of the era of the mid-1800s would stop in Rodney uh, to pick up passengers, to drop passengers, to stock up on supplies and, 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 uh, and regather its power to keep going and, and fulfill the rest of the of the journey. Now, what had happened around 1970 was that a, a large sandbar. Now, I don't know if you understand my English. A large sandbar. <laughs> a, a large, a large sandbar had formed in the nearby Mississippi River, causing, get this, causing the Grand Waterway to alter its course. And then what continued to happen was the river began to move across, alter its course and was now flowing. Can you believe the mighty Mississippi as a result of a sandbar shifted, shifted direction and kept flowing as it flowed to the Gulf of Mexico, but instead of going through right by Rodney as it always had, it moved 200, sorry, it moved uh, two miles away from the city, just two miles. And, and with that happening, with the river at Rodney no longer flowing, the commerce began to go. Began to go. 
and people began to leave. And then what happened, the, the, the population further declined and, uh, and then it became bypassed by three other cities and, and, uh, and the railroad stopped being used. And, and by 1933, a town that was 4,000 was now a town of 33, of 100 people. And even now just supports a handful of citizens. There's no more remaining businesses in this town at all. It's a ghost town. There's a museum. Uh, it, back, back in the day, there was an opera house. There was a town hall. There was major commercial buildings. They've long disappeared. Uh, the, the, the only thing that's left now is a red brick building in the old grocery store. And that business operated since 1915. And it was the last to close. And buildings have fallen to the ground. And today there is only one road in and out of the city. You can't go through the city. You purely go there to look at a relic that was. It's, it doesn't supply anybody. It has no purpose. The city is completely gone. And, uh, and the final three miles of that road into Rodney are just dirt and gravel. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because what was once a happening, growing, bustling town full of purpose, full of a future, was possibly going to be a state capital and even though it didn't end up being a state capital was going to be one of the was still the key uh, port city on the Mississippi River with all of that in mind isn't it amazing that the thing that destroyed that city was it lost its connection with the river and you know as the people of God the river of the Holy Spirit is so much more vital to our Christian experience then we may or may not realise. Sometimes we, 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 we think maybe the Holy Spirit is, is less important than Jesus because uh, we know Him as the third person of the Godhead. But just because He's the third person of the Godhead doesn't mean He's third most important. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is. He's as much God as God the Father is. And the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a He. And do you know the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit? He's a person. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't grieve an it. I can't grieve this person pulpit. Even if I got abusive and said, you're the stupidest pulpit. I know that's harsh. It's an illustration, folks. I love this pulpit. You're stupid. You bend in the middle and stupid thing. Can I tell you, it's not grieved. It's just continuing to be a pulpit. And it's, look at it, it just stands there in all its arrogance and pride. But can I tell you, you can't grieve stuff. You can grieve a person. You can't blaspheme a pulpit. You can't resist a pulpit. It's not, there's no opposing force to resist. But the Holy Spirit is a person. I'm very disciplined with calling the Holy Spirit He and not it. Because if I pointed to a cross on Easter and said, aren't you glad it died on the cross? The whole room would be up in arms. The Holy Spirit is a person too. And is a person who moves through this room on a Sunday morning, touching hearts, changing lives, regenerating lost people and filling people with power and bestowing upon them the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Ooh, hallelujah. That's good news. And John says this, where he's quoting Jesus. Jesus said it at this feast. He says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. You've got to understand this, this message where Jesus comes and he says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink, was uh, on, a, on the day of the great feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. 
Now you've got to understand the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, by the way, the Jewish people, they knew how to throw a party. They, 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 they had feasts for everything. And they, they didn't just have a one-day party, they'd have eight-day parties. Our parties are hopeless. It's an afternoon watching the football and we all go home. Eight days! I want to go to an eight-day party. P-A-R-T-Y, because I got it. But you know, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles, which was like Christmas, New Year's Eve, Easter, 4th of July, all rolled into one big celebration. This lasted for days. And they had this part, part, it's Jewish law that you celebrated. I, I tell you, we, it's not law now, but we should still celebrate Jesus, you know. Enjoy the goodness of God. And so they're having this big feast. And at the climax of the feast, what would happen is the priest would go and, and, and walk to the pool of Siloam and he'd have a, a golden pitcher and uh, he, he would get, he'd get water from the pool of Siloam. And what he would do is he'd carry it back to the temple. He'd pour water on the altar of sacrifice. And, and at that moment, the Levites would blow trumpets. The crowd would uh, cry out things like, with joy, you'll draw water from the wells of salvation and, and they'd celebrate and everyone would be dancing and cheering and, and getting excited and, and uh, getting pumped about what was to come. But they didn't realise this day the, 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 the living water that they were celebrating was standing there in the person of Jesus. And so he interrupts and he says, Ho! Which is like old school for, Oi! Or G'day! He says, Hey! And everyone looks. Who's this man making a public disturbance? He says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And then he goes on to say, for as the scripture says, he, he says, he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart, out of his innermost being will flow a river of living water. They were celebrating a river of ritual. But the river of living water was standing right there, Jesus. And he's saying, hey, I might, he didn't say it in all those words, but he was basically telling him, I'm, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. And, and he's going to bite in you. He's, he's going to come upon you. And, and if you drink of the river of heaven, you'll never thirst again. Can I, can I tell you, I know it's nine o'clock, but let me tell you, supernatural things happen at nine o'clock in the Bible. And you know, at nine o'clock, man, the power of God fell on that day of Pentecost and, and that early church were full of the Holy Ghost. They, they began to speak in tongues. A fire of God from heaven came and they were touched with the anointing of God. I, I pray that even today we'd experience the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our heart and in our life. In the name of Jesus, he says, on that last day, that great day of the feast, he begins to preach a sermon. In, two, in three verses, he gives us a five-point message. He gives us principles. Right there, Jesus doesn't leave anyone doubting. He shows us how to have that encounter with the river of heaven, with that river of God. Some of you, in days gone by, you've experienced the river of heaven. 
You know what it's like to be filled with the presence and the power of God. But can I say, sometimes the sandbars of religion, the sandbars of tradition, the sandbars of distraction or busyness come and we don't even realize it, but the river has altered its course. And, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to say that if you're busy, God takes his Holy Spirit from you. But what I would say is continue to build your lives on the banks of God's river. So when the, when the water passes you by, healing comes, blessing comes, the favor of God comes. I don't know about you, but God, I don't want to just be able to see the river. I want to jump in the river. I don't want to just be ankle deep or knee deep or loin deep. I want to get in that thing and experience the presence and the power of God. Are you happy this morning? Do you love Jesus in the house? Does anyone believe in the river of God? I don't want to be like Rodney. I want to, I want, I want to be like something other than Rodney. Keys to receiving the power of God. Jesus lists here. Simple message. This is a simple message. So the two of you taking notes will have no problems this morning. He says this in in verse 37. He says, if anyone thirsts. Keys to receiving the power of God. Number one. Number one. He says, if anyone thirsts. Number one. We've got to develop a thirst. Number one. The key to receiving the power of God is thirst. Psalm 42 verse 1. We know the scripture. As the deer pants. Or if you're old school, panteth. Does anyone panteth this morning? As the deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. If any man thirsts, you know, We actually have to have a discipline within us that directs our thirst for the things of the Spirit. I remember when I I first first bought a little house. This is years ago. And and, I moved out of home and I was living by myself for a little while. And I had this creeper, uh, I don't know what you call them here, like a creeper plant, plant, plant. I didn't go in my backyard for a little while. Within like a week, that thing had devoured my backyard. It was like a jungle. And so I, I went out there. I thought, you know what, I'll go out there and I'll clear it up. And, and we were in the middle of a heat wave. It was like 46 degrees, not in your stuff. 46 degrees is still hot compared to today. It's like minus 71 here this morning. It was hot. And it, went, it was the longest heat wave we've ever, ever had in Australia. I don't know how to do the conversion, but that's well over, well, well over 100. Uh, it's like probably 110 or something like that. And so I thought, you know what, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do this. So I rang a company called Jim's Mowing. So Jim comes over and he does it. And I'm watching him and he's just clearing this back garden. It cost me a hundred bucks. And he clears the back. And I remember thinking, man, he's not, he's not drinking. He's not drinking. So I said, to him, I said, bro, can I get you a water? Can I get you anything? What do you want to drink? He goes, no, I'm, I'm right, bro. And he kept working. No, he didn't drink a thing. I said, you need a drink. You're not... You need to have a drink. I sounded like my mother. I was like trying to force a drink. Or, you will drink. <laughs> I feel like that as a pastor sometimes at church. You will drink. Yes. Nope. Yes. You will drink. And so we, we get in this back and forth. And he goes, I like to not drink. And at the end of the day, I want to go to the pub and I direct my thirst into a pint of beer. And you know what went through my mind? It went through my mind that that's what his thirst 
caused him to want because he had directed his thirst. But in that weather, the most perfect thing to quench that thirst would have been H2O. You know, there's nothing more satisfying to me in the world than going through McDonald's on a hot day. I know you're spiritual. None of you go to McDonald's. But I do. For the Lord told me it was okay. I just go through there under the anointing and I say, bestow upon me your biggest Mac and a pound a quarter thereof. It's not true. But I I drive through there on a hot day. My favorite sneaky thing, my wife tells me off, when I've been working hard and I'm thirsty, now I feel like one now. I just love, there's something about post-mix soda that's not made out of a can, but it's out of one of those machines. Because you can taste a bit of the lingering taste of 50 other different drinks that come out. And you, and you get that Diet Coke on a, on a, on a, with the ice, and you just feel satisfied. But do you know the truth is, my, my flesh desires that, but it doesn't actually quench my thirst at all. If anything, it dehydrates me further, and I'll need more of a drink in, in, in a few minutes. However, in my head, I think, yeah, I've quenched my thirst for a time, but I actually, I actually have not, but... The truth is, as the household of faith, it's so important that we still direct our thirst, not to the things of this world, not to things that will just renew in us a fresh thirst or continue our dehydration, but something that will satisfy. And what satisfies? It's the waters of heaven. It's the wine of God. It's the presence of heaven. And can I encourage you today? Let's be a people who, who thirst, but let's direct our Thirst. Number two, he says, if any man thirsts, number two, he says, let him come. Somebody say, let him come. You know, as a pastor, I feel like that's my responsibility. In a meeting like this or in the church that I pastor in Adelaide, South Australia, my responsibility is to create an atmosphere where people can come and be satisfied and drink from the waters of God and be saturated with his fullness and experience his presence. Today, you might have come. We're going to give you an opportunity. See, I'm not going to preach long. At the end of this message, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God that you can be filled with the presence of heaven. So while I'm, while I'm preaching right now and saying, hey, God wants to fill you with his presence. God wants to fill you. What we're doing is we're making room for you to come and be refreshed by the presence of God. And so our, our, I guess our role is to make room and, uh, and your job is to number three, come and drink we say come we're making room but today there's room it's happy hour right here at redeemer but you know you can leave this place and the person next you can be refreshed the person in front or behind can be refreshed but what about today yourself you might have been saved literally since noah's ark but can I encourage you? The Bible says, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine wherein it is excess in Ephesians. In chapter 5, he says, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I encourage you? Some of you, you've been filled in times gone by. I mean, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. At one point, you're on fire. Oh man, everything was exciting. I mean, you'd pray for anyone. If it had a pulse, you would lay hands on it. And if it didn't have a pulse, you'd lay hands twice as much. Paul says, I remind you, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you, which you received through the laying on of my hands. He received the baptism in the Spirit through the laying on of hands of Paul. But even Paul said, I remind you, stir up the gift. Maybe today you're a bit dry. Maybe you're parched. Parched. 
I want to encourage you. In just a few minutes, we're going to lift up our hands and drink of the waters of life and be refreshed. Some of you haven't spoken in tongues for a long time. You used to speak in tongues all the time. You had fancy tongues. I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. What some of you, what some of you need to do? Maybe you need to pull the old. You got like an old lawnmower. You need to pull the string. Sometimes you just can do it three times. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you has been, but in all truth, some of you it's been a long time. See, you've just been filled with the Spirit. Paul says, be filled with the Holy Ghost. What's he saying? When he says that, he says, be continually being filled with the anointing, with the power. And when the glory of God, let him come unto me and drink. It's our job to make room. It's your job to drink. You know, there's five common symptoms of dehydration. There's disorientation. There's restlessness. There's irritability. There's apathy. And there's dry eyes. Spiritual dehydration almost looks exactly the same thing. And it's not quenching the feeling of thirst because sometimes we don't always feel thirsty, but we can still be dehydrated. So I guess we've got to look at our water level sometimes. But there are spiritual signs of dehydration, disorientation, not knowing where we are or where we're going in God. Restlessness, impatient, unwilling to take the time to be refreshed in His presence or or irritability, spiritually irritable, frustrated in your walk with God. I know we've all been there. Some of us don't admit it. We walk around going, my father can play dominoes better than your father can. We're very spiritual. Sometimes we are frustrated. Where's the breakthrough? Where, where's the miracle? Where's, the, where, where's that sense of joy that I used to have? Or, or, or apathy. There's no, there's no passion. An urgency for God. And maybe that sense of purpose is gone. Maybe I'm drawing a long bow here, but dry eyes are a symptom of dehydration. Dry eyes cause blurred vision. Maybe as Christians, we've lost our vision. We've lost our perspective. Or dry eyes mean we can no longer produce tears. Maybe we're not grieving over the things God grieves about anymore. We're not touched by the things that touch the heart of God. Like we should. I'm not here to bring condemnation. I'm just saying it's very simple. Just have a drink. Just enjoy the waters of God. Be filled afresh with the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I say, I walked into this service really quite tired this morning. Uh, Just naturally speaking, spiritually, I felt great. But I walked in fairly weary this morning and and I walked in here and we're worshipping Jesus. And when we started singing in Christ alone and I heard the voices of the house of God lifting up the name of Jesus. I can tell you, I stood there and I was standing next to some ladies who I don't know, but man, they were singing under the anointing of God. I was like, Man, this feels good in here. And, and I began to lift my hands. I thought, you know, I'm a bit tired, but I lifted my hands to God. I would have anyway, because that's what you do when you come to church. You praise and magnify Him no matter what you're feeling. And uh, I began to worship. And suddenly faith began to rise in my spirit. I thought, oh, something good's going to happen in here this morning. My goodness. How do we drink? We sing, we worship, we praise, we receive the word. We drink the presence of God. 
I tell people, don't just be open, press into the anointing of God, press into the power of God. Don't make your pastor wrestle you to the altar. It's like there's someone here, once in your life you had a blocked nose, if that's you, come. And only one person comes. Put them out of their misery, just get out of your seat and come. Get filled. I tell you, I've been, I've been to, if there's an altar call and the Spirit of God's moving, you do not have to twist my arm to get to that altar. I am there. I mean, even if a giraffe was the one laying hooves. If they carried an anointing, I'd be out at that altar call. I'll let the giraffe lay hands on me. In fact, we've got a giraffe out the side right now. He specialised in ministering to sore necks. He says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And he says, as the scripture has said, he says, he who believes in me as the scripture has said. Number three, we've got to believe. Now, I'm not talking about some mysterious, oh, let's just believe. We've got to believe what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. We've got to believe that the Holy Spirit is for today. We've got to believe that the Holy Spirit is for right now. We've got to believe that the Holy Spirit is for Redeemer Church. We've got, we got to believe that the Holy Spirit wants to come and touch Utica and Rome and Albany and Syracuse. We've got to believe that the Spirit of God's got a plan and a purpose for us. We, we've got to believe that we're candidates for a touch from God. We've got to believe that the Bible says we can have the Holy Spirit now. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I don't know about you, but oh, I believe that the Bible is for today. I believe everything that's written was given to us by the Spirit of God. And if the Bible says the Holy Spirit is ours and, and we can experience his touch then I want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in my heart and in my life oh, bless Jesus this is exciting some of you I can, I can see some of you starting to I think he might be right this is exciting can I tell you you can be filled with the spirit of God we're living in a world some people say do I need to be filled we, we're living in a time where the enemy's coming against us coming against America coming against this planet and Christianity with the big guns of hell and we need more than rhetoric we need more than oratory we need more than theology we need the power of the Holy Spirit that flows like a river from the throne of God into your heart and into your life so that you can truly know that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say our God is an awesome God. Oh, bless Jesus. What number was that? Was that number four? I don't know. Number five. He says, if you believe as the scripture has said, out of your heart, out of your belly, will flow rivers of living water. Spoke concerning the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, who was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But we're living in the day where Jesus has been glorified. He stood on the top of the mountain and Jesus, I think Jesus had a sense of humor. He says, uh, lo, which is just short for hello. Uh, he's like, lo, he didn't have time, he was busy. Uh, he, said, he, says, he says, lo, I'll be with you always. And then he's gone. Can you imagine what they were thinking? Thomas said, oh, I doubt he meant that. <laughs> he just ascended. Was he lying? 
No, was he deceiving? No. He's trying to let them know that the Holy Spirit will come and abide with them. Jesus, when he, in his earthly ministry, was not omnipresent. If he was in Capernaum, he was in Capernaum. If he was in Galilee, he was in Galilee. If he was in Bethsaida, he was in Bethsaida. It, where, where, wherever he was, there he was. It was very deep. Wherever he was. The scripture says if the tree falls, that's where it lies. Thank you, Scripture, for that deep, profound truth. Very helpful. Wherever Jesus was, he was. He knew that what was on him could get upon everybody that believed God. If he ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, the omnipresence of God could be released on every person. And so instead of all the power of Jesus being locked up in one person, then now the same power that was on Jesus is on 120. And then that multiplies to 3,000. And suddenly you've got the church. We've got 2 billion people on planet Earth. And they say some 600 million or one point. No, it's more than that. I've got, I've got my numbers wrong. Forget about the stats. According to Abraham Lincoln, 98% of internet stats are made up. But we've got hundreds of millions of people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus carried the Holy Spirit, one person, but he said greater. doesn't mean I'm going to suddenly do greater things than Jesus did. It means there's going to be an exponential release of the power of God. And there's a multiplication. The baptism of the Spirit is simply a multiplication of Jesus, the power of Jesus in the hearts and lives of a people. Ha, I'm just having a good time this morning. I'm having a good time. I think maybe if we could get a piano player up here or... I don't know, even someone can play the triangle. There's not enough triangle in the church. We need the triangle. Bring back the triangle. Or the cowbell. I think we need more cowbell. Oh, hallelujah. Can we stand for a minute? We're going to close. I just want to take five minutes. Can we all over this place, if you'd say, Dave... I'm one of those. I, I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. If that's you, in the house, that doesn't mean you're unspiritual. It doesn't mean you're unsaved. It doesn't mean you're, you're in, in bad spiritual condition. Maybe you're just hungry and you say, Dave, I want a touch from God. Maybe some of you are dry. I don't know where you're at, but what I do know is today's a good day for a God encounter. And if you'd say, Dave... I'm hungry this morning. Would you raise your hands to heaven and just let's just ask the Holy Spirit to just come and fill us this morning. Let's believe God for a supernatural moment of God's power and presence in the name of Jesus. Father, let your anointing. Oh, there we go. Let your power fill the house. Let your spirit fill this place. Let your anointing just come. Father, touch every hungry heart this morning. If any man thirsts, let him come. Let him come. Today's a good day to be filled with living water. Today's a good day to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Today is a good day for a touch of the fire of God. If you're hungry today, just begin to expect the anointing of God. Father, I thank you today for your power and presence. Lord, we ask you right now that you would come by your fire, by your anointing. Lord God, today fill every hungry heart with the power of God. Lord, I pray not one person would leave this place the way they can. Lord, let your people leave this place refreshed and filled up with the presence of God. If you can, pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's just have a moment where the Spirit of God just comes, saturates, fills you today with that anointing from heaven. Father, you said if any man thirsts, let 
him come. And Father, today, I thank you for the power of heaven. I thank you for living water. Lord, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for the breath of God that fills this house. In the name of Jesus.